We are talking about uh, Bob Costas is not going to do the Super Bowl. He um, he says the NFL ruins people's brains, and he doesn't want to be a part of it, more or less. Uh, we got this text. The NFL has clearly damaged my brain and body. Sitting on my ass, drinking cheap beer, eating junk food has ruined my physique and quick wit. Wow. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's done that to a lot of us. Another casualty. So a lot of folks in the Armstrong and Getty universe are really passionate about net neutrality, and it's kind of an interesting issue that uh, is, a, is a tougher call for us libertarian-leaning types. But interesting headline article this morning in the Washington Post written by the fabulous Brian Fung, AT&T wants Congress to draft a net neutrality law. And here's why that's a big deal. Brian joins us now. Brian, how are you, sir? Doing all right. Thanks for having me. A surprising headline. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, so AT&T put out a uh, big ad campaign yesterday uh, calling on Congress to pass a law on net neutrality, um, basically to try and stem the uh, supposed, uh, you know, um, back and forth that we've been seeing um, on this issue for, you know, well over 10 years now. Uh, and so this issue is, is not going away, and it's, um, you know, really surprising uh, to see AT&T really come out with such a big, uh, big campaign. Well, they're calling for an Internet Bill of Rights to help guarantee an open internet what's in the bill of rights or or what would it do for us well, uh, you know, the main thing uh, on net neutrality is that it would essentially, um, in, in AT&T's view, uh, you know, institute the sort of no blocking and no throttling uh, provisions of the net neutrality rules that were just struck from the books by the FCC in December. Um, but interestingly, they go further. AT&T wants uh, those same net neutrality rules also to apply to big tech companies, um, they didn't name names, but you know, presumably this would include companies like Facebook and Google as well. So are there other companies that agree with AT&T, or are they an outlier? Well, uh, a lot of big uh, companies in the broadband industry, you know, the Comcasts and the AT&Ts and the Verizons of the world, um, have long said that uh, you know the big tech companies are essentially free riding off of um, the uh, the pipes that AT&T and others make available. Uh, you know, those who are in the tech industry say, you know, that's the way it has always been and the way it should be. Uh, there's no particular reason why those companies, uh, you know, should now be forced to pay money to the telecom providers uh, just because they say so. Now, uh, we've got to address how most of us are surprised that AT&T would advocate this. I'd assumed all along that they'd be rubbing their hands together thinking, finally, we can stick it to Netflix and all. Um, Does this look like a real gesture toward net neutrality on their part, or or is there something uh, hiding in the small print I should know about? Well, uh, that's a great question, and it's a complicated one because uh, essentially AT&T is anticipating um, states trying to write their own net neutrality laws, which would be uh, kind of a nightmare for them if they had to comply with 50 different net neutrality rules. Um, you know, there have been a lot of talk about uh, court cases, uh, you know, lawsuits against the SEC to try and overturn its decision. Uh, and if that winds up succeeding, that could also be bad for AT&T. So in some ways, this is a bit of a defensive move by AT&T to try and head off uh, some of those uh, that risk. Um, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, the AT&T is trying to start a debate in Congress, and obviously AT&T is a big spender on lobbying in Congress, so it would have a big role to play in shaping what that Internet Bill of Rights would look like. I was just going to say real quick, Brian, I happened to read in the WAPO the other day that the biggest corporate lobbyist in America is now Google. 
That's right. For the first time, uh, Google last year became the biggest lobbying spender in Washington. Um, and, you know, this is really kind of a sign of how much power they have uh, over, you know, our the way that we experience um, you know, information and, and entertainment. Um, and it also is a sign of how, you know, how far they've come in Washington. Boy, not big tobacco, not some giant labor union or something. The Koch it's brothers or oil or Google. Yeah. So what are their main issues? I suppose net neutrality obviously is one of them. What else is Google lobbying about? Well, Google uh, is obviously, you know, a really big company with hands in all sorts of different industries, whether it's drones or healthcare, uh, you know, intellectual property. Um, so, you know, they've got lobbyists who uh, who advocate for them on all of those issues and, uh, you know, many others besides like trade. Who's the top person at Google? That's a great question. I, I guess who would you uh, do you mean in terms of the the business leadership? Because yeah. uh, because well, I, I know, know Tim Cook with Apple. I know Zuckerberg with Facebook. I don't know the Google person. Yeah, well, in, in, until recently, uh, it was Eric Schmidt who was the executive chairman of uh, of Google, or I should say Alphabet, which is the parent company of Google. Um, but uh, he recently announced that he was going to transition out of his role and sort of take a, a bit of a step back. Uh, and uh, you know, it's it's um, Larry and Sergey uh, who have really been kind of uh, in, in behind the scenes running the show, um, you know, for um, for some time now. Also, yeah, we're 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 getting off on the tangents here, but it's kind of interesting. They clearly have taken an angle of not being celebrity corporate leaders the way like Zuckerberg and you know Steve Jobs and then Tim Cook have at Apple where you're like the the poster person for the company maybe it's because they're going to be the they are the biggest lobbyist uh lobbying uh network in the country you just you don't want to have a face on that maybe I don't know hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that uh, Google is a bit of a special animal because it does have its hands in so many different pies, um, and and because of that, you know, they, you may remember that they restructured a few years ago, back in 2015, um, just you know for the explicit purpose of being able to uh, you know expand those um, its portfolio into so many different areas, and then still uh, be able to report positive earnings for Google's core business. Um, so you know, the, the Google and, and Alphabet more broadly is uh, is a really fascinating business, and the way it's evolved um, really just speaks to how much influence it has over the way we live. Brian Fung of the Washington Post writes about tech topics, AT and T, looking for net neutrality, or so it would seem. We'll have to follow this one. Brian, thanks a million. Good to talk to you. My pleasure. Thanks. I think I'm onto something here. <laughs> What's that? I think they I think they have cleverly at Google not put faces or names to their 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 giant behemoth maneuverings. Could be. And it has benefited them. It's just the nice little search page we all enjoy. Sometimes they have nice cartoons. Because Zuckerberg gets all kinds of crap or support, depending on who you are. Same yeah. with uh, you know, once Steve Jobs, now Tim Cook. But Jeff Google, Bezos who do you, Amazon, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. But who do you picture at Google? I don't have a picture in my mind. I don't know. So you got the fact that they are now the biggest corporate lobbyist. Big deal. Google it. That wasn't sarcastic. Everything I say is so, it sounded like big deal. No, it is a big deal. Hmm. That's a big deal. You got to keep so you an think eye. It's on, a small deal then. You got to keep an eye on who's the biggest right outfit out there lobbying the government. It's worth knowing. Then there's this headline. This also happens to be from the WAPO. Google, Twitter face new lawsuits alleging discrimination against conservative voices. There is absolutely zero doubt that the tech giants discriminate against uh, Charles Johnson, Dennis Prager, um, all sorts of different people. Um, 
because there are a lot of hyper-enthusiastic, foolish, progressive types in tech that equate, you know, they buy some of the lies about anything that's the least bit conservative as part of the alt-right or, or what have you. And there are plenty of examples of uh, conservative voices being silenced by the tech giants. At the same time, Google is the world's uh, or the country's biggest corporate lobbyist and among uh, civil rights uh, the civil rights slash libertarian slash you know constitutional community, the idea that the government is going to silence you is less and less a concern, and the fact that tech giants are going to silence you is more and more of a concern. So I it's, kinda, that. it's an interesting coming together of kind of tides, prevailing winds. I'm trying to think. Right of, an, an, uh, is there an analogy for this in U.S. history? Because back in the day, the rail lines didn't belong to just a couple of companies who could then charge whoever how much they wanted mm-hmm. to transport stuff around. You know, when they started laying uh, electric lines across the country, it didn't belong to a couple of companies that got to charge whoever whatever did it. Didn't work that way. It doesn't work that way now. Well, there were there were times when the railroad barons had way, way too much power. That's why they were broken up. But um, that's something to, be kev- to keep an eye on, especially with the number of checks that are written to our corrupt, moronic Congress. They're writing lots and lots of checks over at Alphabet, uh, more correctly. Oh, hey, somebody uh, dropped us a note on this, and it's a it's a hell of an interesting observation. Old Milo uh, Yiannopoulos, um, who has been banned from Twitter, among other social media, um, one of the reasons he ran afoul of the conservative community was talking about adolescent, or, or I should say, like teenage gay young men slash boys being mentored into adult gay life, including sometimes physically by adult gay men and how that's a thing in the gay community. It's not necessarily bad. And that was characterized as being pro pedophilia, blah, blah, blah. That is the theme. Is it not of the highly celebrated uh, movie? Call me by your name. That's such a hit. Older gay man ushering gay teen into adulthood. And how wonderful and beautiful it is. I haven't seen the movie. That's my understanding of it. But it's interesting that the makers of, of those, that movie aren't being banned from you know social media. You will note. But. Did you see how um, MSNBC looked up Tucker Carlson's genealogy and used that as a weapon against him? No, you're kidding. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's okay. in the whole illegal immigration debate. Oh, boy. I got my phaser set for stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Among other things we get to talk about coming up on the show. Did Um, they accuse him of being a mulatto or something? Since the left seems to be obsessed with people's race and how many drops of blood are in them. The quote was, Y'all are made good clansmen. People who live in genealogy glass houses shouldn't throw stones. That's right. what they said about I'll, Tucker Carlson. I'll withhold my judgment. Explain that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. This is Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Corey to NBC News.
news, special counsel Robert Mueller's team is expected to interview former White House strategist Steve Bannon by the end of the month. They do it sooner, but they need to get their vaccines first. What the hell does that mean? A visual joke involving him looking sickish? He's not the healthiest looking bastard. He looks the way that Jack described himself in his one segment yesterday. He seems mm-hmm. to be constantly battling hot and cold temperatures. Brother's an Irishman. He's pasty. Happens. I don't know what all you guys talked or didn't talk about in the last couple of days. Toys R Us shutting down 182 stores. It came up in the news. Yeah. We buy all our toys online. Just can't even imagine going to a Toys R Us. I wouldn't go to a Toys R Us through the years because they have the R backwards. Oh. They're on Toys R Us and you know me. Yeah, they promote illiteracy. <laughs> they do. They exactly. Do. Thank they you, do. Michael. <laughs> How about the snake lover who got strangled to death by his own python? Well, do the math. Tragic, but he had an eight-foot-long python that snuck up on him while he was laying down and choked him to death. So, hmm. Did it eat him? Uh, I think it just killed him. Just out of pure meanness. Yeah, mean, mean python. You know, Michael, are you with me? We are toys. I would have uh, I would have patronized that establishment. See, I'd go to a place called Where My Toys Be At. Mm. Uh, an Kate, urban toy store. Caitlyn Jenner is going to be on Dancing with the Stars. I don't care. <laughs> okay, there's that. Uh, the fact that you just don't care. I don't know what I'm supposed to do about that. Caitlyn Jenner is outside the studio with a knife. She says she's here to kill you. I would pay attention to that. Caitlyn Jenner would hold my attention for a minute or two if that were the uh, the case. The governor of Hawaii couldn't call off the missile crisis because he forgot his password. <laughs> you had that story? <laughs> nope. Yeah, he knew that it was a mistake that they announced the North Koreans were attacking. And he was going to go on Twitter and calm people's fears, but he couldn't remember his password. Well, I remember in the wake of that uh, incident, we played some tape of him, and he sounded like a halfwit. He did. Come on, Hawaii. Uh, maybe he can do better the, than that. He just reset it, like the two-and-a-half-month timer ticked over. He right. couldn't remember. Hey, take, you look, you, do you know oh. who you're talking to here? Please. Please. He failed to update his, uh, his uh, little password app. Plus, he had those security questions. Which high school did you go to? Which car? What was your first car? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your mother's maiden name. I hate when they give me choices that are there's no good answer for me. Um, and then I think, well, what what am I going to remember that I said? Right? Did I have a period after drive? I grew up on blank drive. Did I say dr or dr period, or did I spell out drive? Oh no. Well, what street did you grow up on? I grew up. I grew up in like fifteen different places. So yeah, which one am I, I usually down? think of one that you know I lived on the longest. The problem was his uh, password was the state fish of Hawaii, the Humu Humu Nuku Nuku Apua'a, and he put in uh, fourteen U's instead of thirteen. <laughs> Capitalized the third U. Right, that's a mistake. <laughs> Whoops. So Tucker Carlson is really leading the charge on your cable news shows against the whole uh, illegal immigration and doing something about all this. Every one of the things he's for, by the way, have about 90% approval, which is one of the things that's so maddening about this topic. About 90% of people want to keep the dreamers in the country, Mm -hmm. and about 90% of the people want to have very secure borders and not let any more illegals in. Mm -hmm. About 90% on both of those. But for some reason, we can't get that together. Whatever. Joy Reid on MSNBC uh, claiming Tucker Carlson is a white nationalist. For wanting to crack down on illegal immigration. Oh, for God's sake. Every country 
regulates who comes in and out. Every country. She had a genealogist on her show over the weekend and traced Tucker Carlson's ancestral roots back to Switzerland in 1860. Ah. Apparently, his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather came over from Switzerland in 1860. And the guest, the genealogist who was on the show, said, So, you're the product of immigration to this country. Those in genealogical glass houses should not throw stones. Oh, my God, you people are so stupid. Or or just bent. Does that even require a response? Seriously, yeah, I can't draw in the breath... To then blow out across my uh, vocal cords to respond to something that stupid. Tucker Carlson said on his show the next night, among other things, a single 19th century Swiss relatives means you are now required to support green cards for everyone who jumps the border, overstays a visa in 2018. Boom! Case closed! Yeah. Wow. That's pretty amazing. I know a lot of you, maybe, or people would think that, that whole, we're a nation of immigrants. So your family came here in 1750 from France. Right. Then you've got to be for illegal immigration. Makes no sense to me whatsoever. I can't even have a conversation with you, because if that makes sense to you, we're never going to find any common ground. Well, and people like that generally assume there's been wide open immigration to this country through our entire history, which is a fiction. And also... They apparently hold the belief, or honestly haven't thought about it, because they're just trying to signal their virtue to their neighbors, but apparently they believe that immigration policy should remain unchanged over time, centuries. Right, that's a problem The immigration policies of 1710 should be the same as uh, 2018. Even if we had open borders until this past Tuesday, you still could change course if you wanted to. Like every other country on Earth. And it turns out that according to the polls, 90% of the country does want to have borders that are secure and people don't come in illegally. So it's really case closed as to what people want. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, this is this is really good. Let me see if I can dial this up really. So quickly. the only person who could possibly criticize illegal immigration, I guess, would be a Native American. Wrong, absolutely wrong, because it's indisputable that people came over on land bridges from Africa and or Asia. So, well, it's just a dumb argument. I'm not no. going to get involved in it. It's just right, a, right. It, I mean, because lowering you, myself. Well, yes, you are, and I I don't appreciate it. Uh, let's see, where is that? Uh, it's a really good tweet. I liked it. I mean, it's a little oversimplified, but it was clever. There it is. DACA in one tweet. So my house was broken into yesterday while I was at work. Don't worry, everybody's okay. Fortunately, the alarm told me, and the, the police in my town apprehended a man with his 10-year-old daughter ransacking the house. The bad news is my neighbor took a, my neighbors took a vote and decided the girl was innocent and only there because her dad had brought her. So now I have to give her a room, feed her, and pay for her school. Worse yet, since she would be abandoned if her dad goes to jail, he's been found innocent, and I have to let him stay with the girl and feed him, too. If you think this sounds unfair, then you understand DACA. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, hashtag release the memos trending. The mysterious secret memo held by the House Intelligence Committee. More yes. intrigue on all sides. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Yep, and each side has their own memo now, which is very exciting. So there's that. This is not going to end well, you realize, people? Marshall's news on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Hope you're doing all right. I don't think I had the flu. I never had any stomach or anything like that. No, you wouldn't have the stomach with the flu. It's a respiratory deal, huh? Didn't have any respiratory. 
What'd you have? I don't know. How's your stool? I don't know what I had. <laughs> it didn't feel good. Does it have to have a name? Oh, no. No. <laughs> you brought up the flu. I didn't. Don't huh. look at me like that. Well, everybody assumes you have a flu, the flu this time of year if you're sick. Yeah. Because it's been in the news a lot. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and because, like, it's ravaged the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about news now, Marsha Phillips? Well, big question. What is in the memo? The Justice Department is urging California Republican Congressman Devin Nunes, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, whose staff compiled a secret memo purporting to show shocking political bias within the FBI, to give the department a chance to see the memo and warning that first sharing information about the memo with reporters would be unprecedented and dangerous. The odd thing is that the committee's saying, well, well, what we have is information that you gave us. So why do you need to see it? Nunes weighing whether to hold a committee vote as early as next week, calling for the memo's public release. The Senate Intelligence Committee, their staff has not been given access to the secret memo, a sign of how closely the House Republicans are guarding now in this story they're saying allegations of justice department wrongdoing right about specifically right uh, abuse of the fisa yeah. courts and that uh, authority yeah. yeah and we got a viral hashtag to quote release the memo that's being driven in part by hundreds of twitter accounts created just for the hashtag a study by cnn says hashtag release the memo has been retweeted by over a thousand accounts that have been set up and many of those accounts do not have a profile picture. The hashtag calling for the release of that memo, allegedly detailing the the, uh, the uh, story about the FBI surveillance abuses. If we can't release the memo, perhaps the hounds. Ah, boy. There, there's, there's just no chance that whatever is finally decided by Mueller's investigation and then the two different, the Senate investigation right. and the House investigation, that people are going to take those... Um, report says fact. No, no. Half the country will agree, and half the country won't agree with whatever they find out. Right, right. Well, and I get the the idea that at this point, for really the flimsiest of temporary political reasons, either side would would gladly sell the country down the line for a brief moment of advantage. I mean, if Adam Schiff, who I think is a reprehensible human being, but if he uh, he would cover up the FBI being wildly out of control if it was hurting Republicans. And there are plenty of Republicans who, if it turned out, you know, they, it was completely innocent and, and the FBI was doing what the FBI ought to be doing, they wouldn't let that narrative die that, that there was malfeasance because it's too useful politically for them. We could it's see wildly the Wildly irresponsible and really unpatriotic. We could see the old switcheroo like we did with Comey. I mean, because Comey was the villain for Republicans. Up until he wasn't, then he was the villain for Democrats. Right. And we can see the old switcher now. Up until he wasn't again. So if Mueller comes out and says there's nothing there, Democrats will probably be pointing to these texts from Strzok, the FBI agent, saying, I just don't think there's anything there. See, at the beginning, he had no interest. He didn't think there was He prejudged it. Yeah, he prejudged it. Right. So it could switch completely in their direction. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. Meanwhile, in another wrinkle, you know, a number of Republican lawmakers have been suggesting that a months-old text message between two FBI officials reveals a secret society of federal law enforcement officials clandestinely plotting against President Trump. Well, ABC News has just obtained a copy of the one message that Republicans appear to be citing, and they're saying it's unclear if the message referenced to a secret society 
may have been made in jest. Oh yeah, I, that in that vacuum of just that, mm-hmm. I would just take that as a joke. Yep. Now, if there's there's more leading up to that, like Joe was talking with the five months of missing texts, I don't know. But on just that text, right. I would say yeah, it just sounds like a joke to me. Well, I would tell you this as a guy who unquestionably swings more right than left. If you're actually writing, it's time for the secret society to meet. You're not very good at running a secret right. society. Hard. Seems more likely a joke than an actual, like, administrative move running your secret society. It's hard to imagine that two FBI agents who decided, you know what? I'm going to become a traitor to my nation. And we're all going to get together and establish the secret society. That you would do it in a text. I will tell you night. this, though. In defense of uh, people perhaps on that side of the fence, Strzok and Page were texting about, essentially, we got to use different phones if we're talking about Hillary yeah. to yeah, text. That one is more troubling yeah, to me. Not cool. So listen, I want the investigation to, to go, to go to its uh, conclusion. Let's look at this honestly. This is about we the people. It's not about the R's or the D's. You bunch of whipped up partisan numbskulls. And so they're missing five months of all FBI agents' texts, right? Not well, just, no, not all. Just a, a chunk, a significant chunk. But not just the two people in question. Right. Yeah, it's more than that. It's hundreds of phones or a couple of thousand. I can't remember yeah. how many phones it is. But. Yeah. But that's a better story for the FBI than it was just those two people. Right. Oh, that would, yeah, there would be a fever pitch, and, and justifiably so at this point. Especially, and we talked about this yesterday a bit, especially in the wake of the IRS mysteriously mm-hmm. erasing all records of Lois Lerner's emails. And then the NSA mysteriously didn't have a bunch of records really recently that a court ordered them to turn over. They said, yeah, yeah, those got erased somehow. And then what was the other one? Uh, there was, oh, you know, the Hillary emails getting right, erased. Right. Apparently, you can erase electronic records with impunity now if you just say, yeah, yeah, it was a glitch. We don't know what happened. And there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing th- that can be done. And lastly, Elton John says he's retiring from the road after a final world tour in September. My priorities have changed in my life. Ten years ago, if you'd have said, I'm going to stop touring, I'd have said, no, no, I'm a working musician. I always play. But um, we had children, and I changed our lives. Now, okay. So, how old is he currently? Seventy. Seventy? Yes. Okay. He is seventy. So he's seventy, and I think he's got a seven-year-old and a Mm ten-year-old. Yes. And you're going to miss ages seven to ten and ten to thirteen for the next three years on your tour. Right. Then you're going to retire and raise the kids, which is just kind of, it's not like you need more money. He's going to embrace parenting at age 73. Yes. When, when one of his kids is a teenager. Uh, although, honestly, to, you know, in, in the piano uh, fellow's defense, I almost called him the piano man. That's generally Billy right. Joel's yes. moniker, Correct. although Elton John is unquestionably a piano man. In Correct. fact, he released a fabulous album in the 70s titled Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player. But, having said that, <laughs> He is also way rich enough to bring uh, David, his husband, and their kids and on tour kids. with him. He could put wheels under the Trump National Hotel in Washington sure. and just have it drive along right. with him on tour, yeah. honestly. So he'd probably drag him along. And again, John saying his goodbye Yellow Brick uh, Road Tour is going to cover 300 dates around the world, as you mentioned, over three years' time. And he's going to be playing uh, dates in many of the cities where you enjoy the Armstrong and Getty show. So anyway, this is a massively well-orchestrated announcement of a world tour. I saw him a few years back. I guess it was 10 years ago. 
And it was really good, as you'd expect. Right. Except he had songs from a new album that just weren't that hot. But mm. all, the, all the classics were fantastic. I got to tell you, back in the 70s, I saw him at the Fabulous Forum in Los Angeles, and he tore the place yeah. up. Oh, his, yeah. his early albums are so oh, freaking yeah. good. I oh, saw yeah. him a handful of times back in the day myself, Marshall, and, yep. and the show was astonishing. The uh, the band... Was Fat Duck Elton John? Or? Uh, I don't believe he donned the duck suit when I saw him, but his band was amazing. Yes. yes. Yeah. The the you know to get all music geek on you the vocal harmonies were the best I've ever heard with the possible exception well they're the equal of the Eagles um, when the Eagles tour and uh, like maybe Crosby Stills and Nash at their height yeah uh, it was it was mind blowing how good it was mm-hmm. when Just I saw musically. Elton John he was already old looked like Janet Reno oh, <laughs> oh that's disappointing there you go that's a wrap that's your news I'm Marshall Phillips the Armstrong and Getty Show the voice of the West. Yeah, the really early Elton stuff, yeah. which is like, what, 69 or something like that? Yeah. Pretty yes. early. It's really good. I believe Dick Nixon was president when this song came out. Is he going to do all greatest hits, though, as he tours this next three years? He doesn't have a new album out, does he? Hey, no. There's limits to the uh, the endurance of the human bladder. Gives you a chance to go out and relieve yourself. <laughs> That's huh? true. Look on the bright side. That's true. I was wondering if you were talking about his bladder or our bladders. No, well, his too. He's an older fella. <laughs> What direction do you want to go? I got more immigration stuff, but I don't know that anybody wants to hear it. It's really good, though. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. Let's talk about it. We could do that, certainly. We've got to... Oh, you're soon to see the biggest stars in Hollywood in porn. Oh, really? Seriously. Oh, and a life hack that I came across while I was on my sickbed for the last couple of days that I'm really going to try to implement. Okay. From here on out. All right. The importance of incrementalism. That's my new religion. Are you for it or again it? Incrementalism. I'm for it. Okay. <laughs> Stay with us. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. This is Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Fantastical. That's what I think we've been this morning. Fantastical. The reviews are pouring in. Oh, yeah. Hey, I like this. Here's a note from Joe. Uh, Given that the entire collusion investigation was based on Trump's joke, saying he hoped the Russians could find Hillary's 30,000 deleted emails, maybe jokes should be made illegal. That's true. Each side does tend to take the other's jokes as dead serious when it suits them. Oh, I was going to mention uh, I came across a life hack that I'm going to really, really, really try. It's about as hard as anything I've tried in my life. Okay. To to adopt from here on out. It's common sense to me, but it's not the way most people operate. It's not the way I operate anyway. Hmm. Um, the importance of incrementalism or micro-progress, hmm. in addition to the idea of just getting started on anything, the key to being successful at almost Everything, and we all know this is true, but this is not the way most human beings do it, is a little bit of effort every day Hmm. to get something accomplished. Total life change is the way to go. Total life change Buy a bunch of workout clothes, join a gym, or uh, commit to working out six days a week. That's a great example. Or your garage is a mess, just going to do the whole thing on a Saturday. Just do the whole god dang thing. Not supposed to do that. 
all projects, well, keep, keeping it clean in the first place would be better. Put away things every single day. Now, That'd be now, an it's, incremental... my, now it's my mother in the room. <laughs> anyway, no, I hear you. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm pretty good that way with like keeping stuff clean, but it's a good example for me because that's what I try to teach to my kids or whatever. If you if you throw away that cup every time we stop or whatever, instead <sighs> and then instead of like once a month, you live with a filthy car and once a month you throw everything out, you know, it could have it clean all the time. And there's lots of things like that, whether it's the exercise thing you're talking about there or learning to play guitar or a foreign language or, you know, uh, keeping your finances in order or whatever. All this is the key to success. And there's a new book out about it, and it just seems so clearly obvious to me. Hmm. It's the it's it's le- the reason people are against it is it's it's so much less pleasurable in a lot of different ways. There's not the kind of payoff that you get from the the garage is a mess. I'm going to work nine hours today and clean it. And now it's clean. You don't get the same sort of payoff. Hmm. It requires more effort. Um, but it's the key to everything. The most important thing is to start which I have trouble with a lot of different things, just put it off. So you just have to start. Mm-hmm. Just freaking start it. Do something. And then do a anything. little bit. Yeah. And so it's the idea of all kinds of different things. Um, at the at the end of the day, looking back, and did I do a little bit of exercise? Did I do a little bit to organize the finances? Do I Did I do a little bit of cleaning? Did I do a little bit? All these different things. Mm. That's what you need to do every single day. Mm. And that's what really successful, organized people do. And I, I don't doubt that. There are some things I do that. I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. But others that I'm awful at, and I'm mm. going to try to change that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Micro progress. It's the, it's, the uh, it's the new hot thing. Excellent. It just makes sense. So obviously the better way to go about, well, practically everything, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll make a micro progress toward taking that up. Did you do a little micro, bit? Micro, micro yeah, progress. At the end of the day, you can say, did I do a little bit or better job at Working toward micro-progress. You know what annoys the hell out of me is stuff that's too big to put in your trash can, but you really don't have enough to do a dump run. Yeah. You know? I know. That's what, what, what I, I have do a with lot the, of that. I got a crappy office chair. What do you suggest I do with it? I got, I got a lot of that in the garage. <sighs> Show I, up at the dump and pay the $17 fee that would have been the same if I had a, you know my, my uh, van jammed full. But I gotta get this freaking stuff plus, out of there. Plus an hour of your time or whatever. How about if I just drive out into the country and throw it onto your property? Would Pe- that be all right? People do that a lot. Good. Okay, that's what I'll do then. Um. Yeah, I had a broken umbrella from a patio table, and a broken like yeah, I got lawn one of chair. Those too. I had two of those in the garage for like the last two years. Finally, took him to the dump with a <sighs> bigger load. But yeah, yeah. Wait, are you gonna drive the dump just to take that patio umbrella? <laughs> I gotta find out. What if I just throw the chair out there? What's the What's the garbage guy gonna charge me? You know what? The more I think about it, I don't care. Charge me anything you want. Throw it over your fence in your neighbor's yard. That's a good idea. We got a vacant lot next door. Oh, perfect! So I can just hurl all my garbage per- in there. Perfect. Yeah, and live next to it. <laughs> So we're not going to. Uh, in fact, why am I paying a garbage guy to haul my garbage away? My kitchen garbage and the rest of it. I'll just establish my own landfill. <laughs> and live next to it. Right. Which is the key. Ah, the wind's usually coming from the other direction. No problem. Uh, let's see. Uh, we don't really have time for this to describe it in full, but maybe we'll get into it during the award-winning fourth hour, which some of you enjoy. Although, uh, certainly, if you don't get it, uh, go to the uh, grab a podcast, armstrongandgettyradio.com. Uh, soon uh, to be on a computer near you if you enjoy your pornography. It's actually uh, Greek for dirty writing. 
Makes you stop and think. Pornography, uh, hardcore porn, Taylor Swift starring in it. I don't even own a pornograph. How would I watch this? <laughs> uh, Taylor Swift uh, performing uh, every uh, act imagined and unimagined in the Kama Sutra right there on your computer if you want to see it. The art <laughs> and science of deep fakes is surging forward. Convincing, increasingly almost hard to even say that it's fake, porn in which algorithms are used to superimpose the face or algorithms whatever. Algorithms aren't sexy. Um, they are now. They're putting the face of Taylor Swift seamlessly on some porn gal. Better than stuff I've seen in the past where the head's like the wrong size and facing the wrong direction. <laughs> and has the same, like a jib-jab video. Different flesh tone in the body. Where everybody has the same expression through the entire video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, AI-assisted fake porn is exploding. Right. You combine that with the ability of dark powers to be able to put anything they want on your computer, what is video evidence going to mean? I don't know, and the problem the with that, the, the, the reverse of it's a problem, too, is everybody can deny anything any video of them doing something actually bad and claim that's not real yeah and you'll have at least you know some plausible you'll have one expert saying it's real one expert saying it's not in court and Ooh, you know. that's troubling you are listening to the armstrong and getty show